0: Welcome to Still Scared Talking Children's Horror, a podcast about creepy, spooky, and disturbing children's books, films, TV, and games. Today we're talking about a selection of children's horror games uh, spanning the last 30 years or so, and uh, talking a little bit more in depth about the uh, text adventure game, Sci-High. A full transcript of this episode will be available, so check the show notes for that. Enjoy! Good evening, Adam.
1: Ahoy, ahoy there!
0: Um, I said, I teased at the end of our last episode that we might be talking about a uh, um, uh, branching into a new genre this episode, um, and we are. Yeah, yeah you some... you,
1: da- you dangled the branch of uh, possibility <laughs> before them, and uh, it, it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't just a, a, a plastic bit of old tat it was a resplendent (laughs) uh, branch of truth
0: Mm Hmm. yeah yeah um somehow this is the first time we're we're talking directly about games um which seems a little unlikely but it it is um i guess that there maybe there aren't that many children's horror games maybe we'll talk about
1: that yeah Um, i don't Think there are so. In preparation for this episode, I did some very cursory research, and mm-hmm. I looked up uh, some lists of best horror games for kids. Yeah, and frankly, I was disappointed and troubled <laughs> <laughs> because some of these games um, really—they're—they're uh, they're only horror in as much as um Monster Valley High toy is a horror. You know, so like they've got the skin mm. of a horror game. Like Plants vs Zombies, for instance. Oh, uh, okay. You know, yeah. yeah, those zombies stagger about like zombies, but they might as well be, you know, anything else. Post boxes mm-hmm. or um Robots, um, you know, or bits of old sausage—it doesn't matter. Like they have, yeah. you know, the only—they're slow. I guess that's what makes them zombies. But they're not there to be scary, <laughs> you know, at all. Um, mm. um, or yeah. other games, which I just really don't think are kids' games. Um, mm-hmm. So Little Nightmares, I saw crop up. Oh God, that's not for kids. <laughs> well, that was my yeah. So I'm sure some kids have played Little Nightmares, but. <sighs> I don't know. Um, like, not <laughs> only because the visuals, um, so if anyone doesn't know Little Nightmares, uh, they're basically stealth platformers where you play a, a small little sort of elf like child, um, trying to navigate these, uh, creepy environments and avoid these horrible, hulking, galumphing, shabby looking. The murderous chefs and other giant yeah. figures um yeah
0: and it has a it's a very troubling atmosphere oh yeah it's, a, it's pretty intense
1: it's re- yeah it's a really intense game, and um the way they did the animation is that each of i think it's that each of the body parts um of the animated models were animated individually almost like you used <laughs> to do in flash. Or something like that. Um, So they all look weirdly disarticulated. (laughs) Like they don't quite move in the way you want them to move. Yeah. So they're really scary. And, you know, they've got uh, a lot of deliberately very dark uh, kind of thematic undercurrents. Um, Mm. Yeah, I don't... I wonder if people just think of them as kids games because they've got the word little in the title... Yeah, And they have puppet-like graphics. And people are like, oh, puppets are for kids, so these are kids' games. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, However, um, I did actually... So I started my teacher training. And I did hear a reference to a legitimate kids' horror game um, in an English class just earlier today, as it happens. Oh. And um, remember, this isn't the first time I've mentioned kids' games. So uh, a couple of episodes back um i uh mentioned that i was in the primary school and that kids tried to involve me in a conversation about who would win in a battle pennywise um from stephen king's it or huggy wuggy um so huggy wuggy is a kind of uh razor-toothed teddy bear from poppy playtime um which is very popular with kids. It's what you might call a mascot game. Um, and I'll go back to those in a minute. But today, um, I didn't hear a reference to Poppy Playtime, but um, a different reference. So um, the kids in the class were uh, <laughs> discussing Ghostbusters, right? And one of the kids said, okay, well, they have like these vacuum cleaners that they suck up ghosts with. And a kid, in the the row row behind said no, that's not Ghostbusters, that's Luigi's Mansion. Ah. <laughs> um, so Luigi's Mansion is a a game series that I think it started on the GameCube, um, mm-hmm. and yeah. they're still being made. Uh, in which Mario's um, much maligned uh, taller brother uh, goes around a spooky mansion, hoovering up ghosts.
0: Okay, yeah,
1: and that's what I'd think of as children's horror that um it's committed to its horror theme, you know they're set in a haunted mansion, and they really have a kind of ghost train like feel yeah, <laughs> so you've got this kind of creepy um haunted environment uh where ghosts pop out uh, and they look a bit a bit gooby and a little bit creepy um. But uh mm-hmm. yeah, there's nothing altogether horrific or or uh unsuitable for kids. Um but it it, it clearly is going for that kind of spooky atmosphere. Yeah. Um
0: uh, Where where do you stand on Halloween pinball? <laughs>
1: so is that is that a specific pinball game, or do you mean that Halloween themed pinball?
0: This is this was a specific uh, pinball game that, that I think came with, well, I I at least had it on a, on a Windows ninety five or ninety eight uh, setup, and uh, I enjoyed it very much. Um,
1: I mean, is it as scary as the three D maze screensaver?
0: saver? <laughs> oh, I mean, what is really, frankly? <laughs> but, um,
1: so, so so did yeah. did it? Because I remember the UFO pinball, which was on one oh, of the right. Windows. So it yeah. must have been similar. Was it like a graveyard themed, or were there ghosts yes, so you, yeah, you could a, hit with the ball?
0: Had, um, I think it had um, gargoyles. I think like the okay. the uh, pinballs came out of the gargoyles' mouth and, and so. Yeah, it had a uh, had the the spooky midi music.
1: Hmm, I do like spooky mm. midi music. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, I think the thing is, you said that there aren't many horror kids games. I think the tricky thing is, is that back in the 80s and early 90s when games moved out of the arcade into people's homes, I get the impression that distributors really thought of all video games as potentially for kids, no matter how inappropriate. Um, Mm. because video games are a great way of marketing horror films which uh, kids would have no chance of seeing in the cinema uh, to Mm -hmm. impressionable young minds (laughs) so Mm -hmm. um, you know it took a little while for the rating system um, (laughs) to be brought in for games Um, and you know I think there's still this idea to an extent, I mean, less so now because people have grown up with games and still playing games as adults. Right. But I think when we were kids, there was still mm-hmm. a sense that video games were largely for children. Um, yeah. So, so I yeah, think, that's... you know, when, when something like Grand Theft Auto came out, you did still have parents buying it for their kids. Cause they didn't really have a sort of sense mm-hmm. of, well, this is really inappropriate
0: because
1: mm-hmm. it's a game. Um, so I think, and what's tricky is kind of, it's not quite like with fiction, right? Where you have children's books and young adult fiction and adult fiction. I don't know if it's always been so easily demarcated with video games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I think Nintendo, perhaps, and I mentioned Luigi's Mansion, and Nintendo, out of the kind of major players in the console market, at least, have tended to aim their consoles towards children. Now, obviously, they could expand it out to a family market with the Wii. Um, Mm. But if you think of, like, the Nintendo flagship games, uh, like the Mario games or the Zelda games, they've tended to be aimed towards a young audience. Um, So Luigi's Mansion is definitely aimed towards kids. And there were some games on the N64 that while not horror games, were definitely horror adjacent or had really creepy atmospheres. So, I don't know if you mm-hmm. ever played Banjo Kazooie. No. Okay, so I kind of replayed a bunch of these games on the Rare Replay um, on the Xbox Live Arcade over lockdown. So, Rare were a game studio from up north, I uh, can't remember where, possibly Yorkshire. Um, but British game studio, and they made some really big N64 games like the GoldenEye game, for instance. Oh yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But they also had their own properties, and uh, one of these was Banjo Kazooie, and came out not long after Mario 64, which had a bit of a kind of slightly haunted, uneasy atmosphere, like a lot of those early 3D games did. And mm-hmm. Banjo Kazooie, straightforward one game you got a bear called Banjo who is a kind of dopey honey bear and his hyperactive uh bird pal Kazooie um mm-hmm. and they go around uh to different kind of adventurous lands collecting puzzle pieces um there's a kind of haunted house zone of a cemetery but it's not very creepy um now Banjo Tooie on the other hand came out and was being developed when Rare were also working on the game Conker's Bad Fur Day and Comicer's Bad Fur Day is this really odd, unsavory game where they try to kind of make a game aimed towards adolescence. Um so it's got
0: mm. it's
1: got this kind of cutesy aesthetic, but then lots of kind of smutty jokes. Um
0: Really? That's interesting. I um, inherited a an N sixty four and games from my sibling. Oh uh, okay. um, a while back, and we went to uh me and Mackie went to trade in uh a bunch of these games um, to get ones that we wanted, and Conker's Bad Fur Day ended up fetching about fifty quid. Oh
1: yeah. wow! Yeah. <laughs> um, so Somehow. I'm not I'm not that keen on quite. It's got some interesting voice mm. acting, and if you look on the rare replay, the uh, main, I can't remember his name, I think Chris something, but the guy who designed the game, um, he's he's quite worse for wear at this point, to be honest. Being interviewed, he's mm. clearly a man who has. Been a hard drinker through a lot of his life, right? Mm. And he kind of talks about how Kong's Bad Fur Day was not autobiographical, but he put a lot of himself into it. Mm. So I think the kind of slight degeneracy of it, or <laughs> you got a lot of kind of characters who are you know drinking too much or partying too hard, <laughs> it, it comes across. And you, you got some great voice acting in it. It's a weird game, but anyway, at the same time, Rare were doing the sequel to Banjo Kazooie, Banjo Tooie, and. <laughs> It's really odd, because Banjo-Kazooie has this really kind of fun, light-hearted feel. And I started replaying banjo Tui, and I was playing Rare Replay with my partner, Antonia, during lockdown. And she described Banjo-Tooie as a hauntological video game. <laughs> and I totally get what she means. So, without getting too academic-y, like, the idea of hauntology is... Um, it's something that's eerie, right? So something that feels emptied out and absent and mm. that it's kinda of haunted by a vision of the future from the past. So <laughs> that's that's a you know, that's a strange idea. Um but yeah, I think often early 3D games, because they have this sort of optimism about the new future of video games, but in retrospect look really janky, right? And they're often very empty because, you know, they only yeah. had so much memory, so they couldn't populate these environments.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, so they, they often feel a bit weird and a bit haunted. Um, and Bansho Tui uh, is really weirdly dismal. Right, so it's still kind of colourful, but the colours have all kind of curdled and turned nasty. <laughs> so if anyone has seen the Tim Burton, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory um, mm. remake, um, the colours are a bit like that, um, or his Alice in Wonderland, that they're kind of garish, but grey and dismal at the same time. So it looks really unhealthy. Um, and it also <laughs> starts with one of the main characters being killed. So okay. the first game, Banjo-Kazooie has a lovable mole uh, called Bottles, who has these thick glasses, and Bottles gives you hints and basically helps you upgrade your moves. Um, Bottles gets exploded <laughs> at the start of banjo Um and is then a kind of blackened ghost corpse for the rest of the game and remains dead. Wow. Um, like, yeah, so it, it, it's... From the start, has this really kind of oddly kind of negative atmosphere, and there's a lot of meta jokes about how Banjo and Kazooie kind of don't really want to be doing a sequel, <laughs> so so like they're kind of back, but they don't really want to be doing it, so the whole kind of tone's just really cynical. <laughs> um, yeah, it is a weird game. Um, and another, no, I'm,
0: I'm looking at some screenshots of it, it's uh pretty damn ugly. I mean, yeah, N64 games in general are pretty ugly but uh yeah very blocky brown
1: Mm. it's a a very (laughs) brown game yeah Um, and and another n64 game that was kind of (laughs) disturbing for its ugliness and just bonkers (laughs) premise was space station silicon valley and this is a real rare find now like like this is this is a deep dive space station silicon valley um so the whole idea of this game is that you're an astronaut with your robot companion who uh, crash land on a disused theme park planet, basically. <laughs> so this, this uh-huh. planet was Space Station Silicon Valley and it was an entertainment complex populated by robot animals. But it's <laughs> long <laughs> abandoned. So all these robot animals have gone completely rogue. Yeah. When you crash into it... Um, the astronaut, he gets knocked out and the robot gets smashed to smithereens, but it's, um, it guess mother chip. Um, you know, it, it's sort of central processing chip flies into the air and lands in one of these robot animals. And basically the main mechanic of the game is you play this little chip, right? And you have to jump between the animals and I guess inhabit their consciousness so you're like a sort of parasitic computer chip? Basically? So you have yeah. to kind of kill robot animals as the computer chip in, you know, taking over the bodies of these animals, and then when you've killed them, jump into them and puppeteer them and bring them back to life.
0: Uh-huh. And it is frighteningly ugly.
1: Oh, and it is astonishingly ugly. Yeah, it's one of the ugliest games I've ever played. It's horrid. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for just repeating that because it really is very very ugly. <laughs> can you see it? Can you describe any of the uh, the oh, character designs um, you're looking at? <laughs>
0: um. Oh well, yeah, I can try. Uh, there seems to be a kind of tor- head and torso of a bear. Um, with a. Uh, I think it's a bear, could be an orangutan um, but um, with, instead of legs has has um, a wheel like a a black and red wheel like on a Hot Wheels car and um <laughs> has sort of it's, uh, triangles for fingers or possibly claws and uh, there's a lot of uh, googly eyes very very um, uh. Un- unsettlingly round, uh, uh, manic eyes, I think, is a the theme I'm sensing. Yeah, it's a
1: very googly-eyed game. Yeah. Actually, that's true of Rare games too. Maybe that's that's the com- common theme of N64 games that unsettled me as a kid. <laughs> is Very googly eyes, <laughs> I think. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so the only other rare game I wanted to mention, which is a lot of fun, is the unfortunately titled "Grabbed by the Ghoulies." What?
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Which
1: might be uh, the reason <laughs> for its low sales figures. <laughs> huh. Uh, we we we're
0: just That's like a choice.
1: Yeah, it's a, a bold move, rare. <laughs> That's also available <laughs> on rare replay, and it's a kind of interactive comic book <laughs> where you explore um, um, oh, a, a creepy mansion and have to um, pummel your way through hosts of zombies and ghouls and other undead spectres and spirits. Um, yeah, it, it's it's a lot of fun. Um, it's quite it's not so much to say about it apart from the fact mm-hmm. that it is called Grabbed by the Ghoulies. <laughs> yeah. I don't think they even renamed it For the American market <laughs> 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 But yeah um, if, if you look at yeah. horror games for kids today I mentioned they seem to be mostly mascot games And what I mean by that Is video games That have like A marketable main character Mm-hmm. Or antagonists. So I think the reason for this is because of the massive, massive success of Five Nights at Freddy's. Mm-hmm. So, Ren, have you played any of the Five Nights at Freddy's games?
0: Nope.
1: <laughs> do you Do you know what they are?
0: Um, vaguely, i vaguely. I. I. The. I. Okay. I'll tell you what I think I know okay, cool. about yeah. Five Nights at Freddy's. Um. Are, are you maybe like a like. Security camera person, mm-hmm. or like a night watchman, or something. Yeah, yeah. And you're you're watching screens in of the security footage, but then and then there's lots of jump scares because monsters jump up on the screen. But and and there's like, but the monsters are like haunted or animate uh, automators.
1: Yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. Kind of... So you're the night watchman at Freddy Fazbear's Pizza Place. Um, so it's like a Chuck E. Cheese like themed restaurant with animatronic singing animals, uh-huh. basically. Um, and the idea is that at night they patrol the grounds and um, try to stuff any uh, unfortunate songs uh, into themselves, <laughs> like, and they get crushed <laughs> by their exoskeletons. Okay. Yeah. Uh, due to some kind of bug in their system. Um and, and these games have loads of lore, you know, so I'm sure any fans of the of the Five Nights of Freddy's games listening are like, no, no, that, that's not why they're doing it, actually. And <laughs> it's for these really complex reasons. Um, because there's tie-in games, um, there's, you know, massive amounts of explainer videos online, um, <laughs> loads of internet uh-huh. lore, and there's quite a lot of these games as well. Um and well I mean what what's most interesting about them, perhaps, is that the creator started off making um Christian kind of edutainment games. Okay. <laughs> uh, and one of his friends sort of said, Hey, you know, your character designs are quite creepy, wouldn't it be fun if you made a horror game? <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh.
1: Uh and he did and and uh to his uh, great, great conflict, I think, very conflicted feelings. Um, it, it's fine, it's fine. Like, you know, he's an evangelical Christian and basically uh, found massive success <laughs> making horror games for kids. Uh, and I've read interviews with him, and he he clearly, uh, this is clearly troubled his soul to some degree. <laughs> oh,
0: wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and they, so it is for kids
1: Yeah yeah it, it is for kids um, And yeah there are lots of You know toys, it's very popular with kids The Five Nights at Freddy's games um, And you know Poppy Playtime Which I mentioned is like a really Obvious attempt to cash in On the success of Five Nights at Freddy's um, mm. And there are a few other More interesting games that also have This kind of mascot um, Element so Bendy and the in- Ink Machine Mm-hmm. It's another one um, where, you know, I a few years ago, if you'd go into, um, you know, some toy shops, you know, you would see you could buy oh, yeah. plastic figurines of Bendy, um, yeah. for instance. Um, and my most favourite out of all of these, and actually I saw some plastic figurines uh, from the game and I'm kicking myself for not picking them up because I, I suspect it was like a single run, uh, is Baldi's mm. Basics. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of Baldy's Basics? No. Oh, I fricking love it. It's it's like, mm-hmm. well, it's, it's the kind of thing, and I say that, I haven't properly played it, to be honest. I just, I just love the aesthetic because it's very much a game made by a millennial who grew up playing creepy edutainment games. So the idea is uh. it's a maths edutainment game in which the instructor, Baldy, the teacher, uh, gets increasingly incensed and unhinged over you or... Uh, answering of math questions <laughs> that incorrectly or otherwise and then terrorises you
0: That sounds fun, yeah Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah um, And so that brings me uh, <laughs> by, by quite a torturous <laughs> route down to the fact that I think the games that seem to have creeped us both out the most as kids were edutainment games Right? Yeah So how, how would you describe what an edutainment game is for anyone who doesn't know?
0: Um well I strongly associate them with uh, borrowing them from the library. Mhm. Go to the library and they'd have the entertainment games in one of the spinning racks in the uh, CD roms and um this this was the era of CD roms. Yes. Right? Entertainment and CD roms go together. Definitely. Um yeah. and uh it would be games that are trying to teach you some maths or some spelling or about nature or I mean some of some are more uh more directly educational than others, I think. Um Yeah.
1: I mean and some of these you might even get in school. So um mm-hmm. my friend Peter says he spent a lot of time playing the Crystal Rainforest, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um at school when he was a kid, and I think maybe my school had Granny's Garden, or yeah, some kind yeah. of equivalent, which has this sort of infamously scary end screen, if you lose, that you get captured by a <laughs> witch, for instance. Yeah. Um. And sometimes you'd get games within educational software, right? So... um Microsoft and Carter, which is what everyone used for their homework before they had access to the internet, <laughs> uh, which was a kind of encyclopedia yeah. on CD-ROM, had a game in it called Mind Maze. Did
0: it? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, you clearly oh. didn't spend nearly as much time on Microsoft and Carter as I did. <laughs>
0: I, I definitely used it for my primary school homework. Yeah. I don't remember the game.
1: Well, yeah, if you, if you really wanted to test your knowledge on Microsoft and Carter, <laughs> uh, there, there was a kind of quiz set in a medieval maze. Oh. So you'd you have to kind of click through. It did look a bit like that kind of 3D screensaver, um, actually. But uh, you'd you click through the screens of this maze. It was pre generated 3D backgrounds like mist or something. Um
0: mm.
1: not even that sophisticated actually. I think you know, they're probably just like completely still images. Um and you had to answer questions. And it, yeah, that that was a bit creepy. Um mm. But yeah, there was one entertainment game you kinda of sent me a link to, or a link to a playthrough of.
0: Yeah, so this was a game called Forestia, which is a pretty obscure I think it's a French game, um from nineteen ninety eight. Um where uh, there's a, in a forest, there's a benevolent, benevolent forest dad, called Daddy Oak, who uh, sends you on quests, um, and it's mostly pretty tame, um, but it has this one level where everything gets quite strange, um, and uh, this was really, really quite memorable to me, and um, I, uh, I I looked it up and found out that it wasn't just me that it made an impression on because it has an entry on uh, on reddit on our uh, creepy gaming (laughs) Um, where where they link to this full playthrough Um, but I'll I'll read a description from a user Romeo Romeo gives a good a good description of this uh, creepy stage it says "Uh, the game is split into different episodes or chapters uh, that feature different scenarios and one it's the big tree's birthday and he's given many gifts and another a siren comes to the forest and all of its inhabitants are under a, some kind of spell until you help her make her way to the ocean and then there's the fire mountain in this chapter you are transported to an apocalyptic alternate timeline in which all the scenes have this bright red tint as if they came straight out of a creepypasta along with an eerie choir that never goes away A dragon comes to the forest as well as an evil wizard and they announce the end of days as a volcano threatens to erupt and kill everything. All over the forest you can find dead animals and if you stand there, their souls leave their bodies. The best part is that this comes entirely out of nowhere. So far, all of the game has had no mention of any apocalypse coming or anything (laughs) bad happening in the woods. The chapter even starts out pretty normally, with Sam the Rabbit calling you to look at constellations. Then when the next day comes, you're in hell. Just like that.
1: (laughs) Um so did this really alarm you as a kid then
0: oh I mean I think I quite enjoyed it uh, <laughs> I found it a bit um, I, I, I like the novelty of it but I think I was a bit older than some of these uh, commentators I was yeah. more in the sort of 10 to 11 rather than 5 or 6 sort of range but um, <laughs> it was I mean it was definitely very um, unsettling um, I text I messaged um, my sibling Willow uh, to to ask if they had any comments to share with the podcast mm um and they said oh my god the rattle noise as the spirits left their tiny cobwebbed bodies discarded like unloved dolls in the forest of bloody light at once familiar and alien (laughs) so
1: it's lovely thank you Willow.
0: yeah upstaging me in my own podcast
1: that's that's the texture of the week right there
0: (laughs) yeah it, it made an impression on both of us um that that stage
1: so um, well, i think i haven't actually i should have um, asked my my brother about his memories because um the edutainment company that i think produced the most unsettling memories for me was a company called mech um who ended up being amalgamated into Softkey. um but um when they were mech they made two games um Which really made an impression on me. uh, Museum Madness and the Secret Island of Dr. Quandary. So, Museum Madness uh, is probably the most traditionally educational, in as much as it's set in a museum. Um, But it's a museum that's been taken over by a malevolent AI. (laughs) And so, you have to break into the Mm. museum at night under cover of darkness and uh, put the exhibits back together basically so it has a bit of a west world thing going on so these sort of animatronic or um might not even be animatronic they might just be mannequins but have kind of come to life and think that they're the real historical figures
0: yeah. So okay. you know, the mannequin
1: of Ben Franklin believes he's the actual Ben Franklin, and you have to help the Ben Franklin, you know, fly the kite to generate electricity or what have you.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So yeah, some of them are sort of historically themed, and some of them um, are natural sciences themed, and so on. Um, it has this wonderfully kind of eerie MIDI music, um, which definitely <laughs> marks out Met games, um, particularly their even creepier game, The Secret Island of Dr. Quandry. So I, I got you to watch just the first sort of three or so minutes of the game. I, I don't know if you can sort of describe what you saw.
0: Um it was uh, it was showing me a <laughs> just like a a photo of a a gloomy day and a kind of sort of local Fairground, kind of. It looked pretty shabby. Yeah, re- it really just,
1: looks really kind of shabby and like run down.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this, this kind of it's not. It's not like a good photo. It's like someone <laughs> took an offhand photo with a disposable camera. Yeah,
1: but. yeah.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, and it's kind of. It's got a Ferris wheel in the background and some of the the kind of carriages on it start some sort of shaking in know. Wait, like it's obviously manipulated in the carriages and the photo to shake, and it's some sort of text coming up on the screen going, "Come on in, come to the fairground. <laughs> Ignore the shaking of the carriage on the Ferris wheel. I'm sure it's fine."
1: Um, <laughs> so you you go into the fair, into the fairground.
0: Yeah, and then and then you have to well, well, choose.
1: Yeah, well, you're 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 met by by a figure. Mm. Right? Did you see? Dr. I think I, I
0: I skipped. I didn't actually see Doctor Quandry himself.
1: Ah, so so it's got Doctor Quandry, but posing as a fairground barker.
0: Oh. So
1: so Doctor Quandry is the kind of grubby, bearded uh, magician trickster figure of the game, uh, who curses you to the island, um, his secret island, but he's undercover as a uh, humble fairground barker. <laughs> Basically, mm-hmm. and yeah, he gets you to play this game called I think it's troggle shoot, yeah, um, which is a shooting game, right,
0: yeah, so you have three very ugly dolls if, and you have to you have to hit one of them
1: yeah well you yeah you, you, i think they're the prizes you shoot the troggles, which are these little kind of faced <laughs> creatures. Yeah, um, and they kind of shatter when you. It's hard to tell if they're alive or not. <laughs> you shoot them, and then yeah, you win. You win one of these dolls, and then, and then the kind of doll face engulfs the screen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's a sort of spot, and then the next thing you know, you're trapped. You are the doll, and so you're trapped in the body of the doll. And so the game is that you're on the island, the secret Island, Dr. Quandry, and you've got to answer educational puzzles in order to escape. And the idea is you collect up these ingredients for a recipe, which you cook up in a big pot at the edge of the island, and you win from completing Mm. these puzzles. And then you boil up the soup, and when you drink it, the idea is that the doll's body kind of breaks apart, and you're going to be returned to your human form... (laughs) but most upsettingly the game is on an endless loop so when you do this and I've completed it on beginner level, medium level and hard level so this is definitely definitely the canonical ending because this infuriated me as a kid and I tried and tried thinking I could break the cycle Um, you were just returned to the start of the game, back in the fairground.
0: Oh, wow.
1: Once again, faced with the, the choice of being imprisoned in a doll. So you're oh. imprisoned in the doll. You go through all these sometimes fairly tedious <laughs> educational puzzles um, <laughs> to escape. You escape and you're just back in the horrible fairground. It's <laughs> an awful eternal recurrence. It's like the... the, the Job of learning is never done, right? You can never escape <laughs> the educational cycle. Um yeah, yeah. Th- th- this really frustrated me as a kid. Like, I thought I must be doing something wrong, like that there must be some secret ending I wasn't getting. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I would go back to this game in the hope that this time I would escape the <laughs> secret island to Dr. Quandry. But uh, yeah, I never did. <laughs> I'm still on the island. Spirit. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Mm.
0: Um, I'm sorry to hear that.
1: Yeah, th- thanks, thank you. I'm glad. I, I, I hope some of the genuine existential angst came across there, because uh, <laughs> it really bothered me as a kid.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um. And, and I'm, I'm going to put some of the music from the game behind, behind me, I think, to, to, so, so people can get quite how dismal the music for this game is. It's yeah, good.
0: <laughs> yeah, I also have a, a, a request if you can get the noise of the uh, animals' souls leaving their bodies in, uh, in Forestia. I'd appreciate yeah. um, oh, definitely. sprinkling that liberally throughout this episode.
1: Yeah um I I mean my stepkids have played a lot of a lot of games and George as I said before is not ostensibly into horror he does like adventure games so I have got him to play a lot of the old LucasArts games like Monkey Island that I liked when I was a kid um, mm. he's been playing Broken Age which is made by Double Fine so that includes some of the people who worked for LucasArts like Tim Schafer, um, who's mm-hmm. a project lead on it and Broken Age has quite a dystopian um, atmosphere to it or setting so you play these two kids and one of them is on a sort of 2001 style spaceship um, isolated from his parents and forced to go through these kind of, kind of asinine kiddie cycles where he has to like rescue teddy bears for instance so the idea is that this spaceship was set up to serve him when he was a little kid and now he's like a teenager and still has to do it um mm-hmm. and the girl in broken age is um being sacrificed as a maiden for the maidens feast so these are uh, sort of dragon-like monsters come along to eat up the maidens and the society's just completely mm-hmm. complicit in it um so that's hmm. that's got quite... It's got kind of young adult themes to it, I suppose. Um, and some of those old uh, LucasArts adventure games had their creepy elements, so I don't really want to do proper spoilers, but the ending of Monkey Island 2, the Chuck's Revenge, um, is kind of really infamously strange um, and unsettling.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, it's such a good ending, twist ending, but I really don't want to give it away if no one's (laughs) one's played it. Um, The ending for Simon the Sorcerer 2, which I will spoil a little bit, Um, basically, uh, Simon the Sorcerer is a kind of teenage, sassy sorcerer, and you have to battle um, this evil warlock, I guess, um, or evil sorcerer um, in it, uh, and you end up kind of trapped, he's called sword, sworded, I think sorted something like that and you end up trapped in his body and he's in your body and uh Simon kind of directly addresses you as the player at the end and says oh you may be laughing but uh, sorted um is out there and he's going to come into the real world and he's going to get you and that <laughs> that that worried me a bit <laughs> And I was going to quickly mention Sierra games as well. So Sierra were kind of the rival studio to LucasArts. Um, Not really kids' games. I guess the fantasy games maybe were aimed for kids. So you you might have heard like King's Quest. Mm -hmm. So King's Quest 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 and 8, I think. Um, 3 is particularly punishing. The thing about the Sierra games is that they would kill you off at the first opportunity for really pedantic right. things so it'd be like you'd type in so the early games they had a text parser but they were graphical so you had to type to interact so you might come across a tree and type climb up tree and you climb up the tree and get hit on the head with a coconut fall off break your neck and that's the end of the game and you didn't save so you're dead so like they're really hard <laughs> like police quest was the worst for this uh, which hilariously throws you out of the game unceremoniously, uh, if you forget to put on your seatbelt, if you don't type it in, put on seatbelt when you get into the police car. Um, and you get lectured by this police officer called Jim, who was like, based on a real police officer, and Jim like, has his leg up on the police cruiser, and owner's now, now, uh, a good cop always puts their seatbelt on when they're, you know, out on patrol. Uh, Sorry kid, you're out of the game, or something, it just boots you out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, fun? Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. They're, they're quite
1: anti-fun. I would say like, those early games. They really feel like they just don't believe in fun. <laughs> <laughs> you know that you're punished if you really if you if you want to have fun. No, no come on. <laughs> it's not what we're here for. <laughs> Um, and Torrin's Passage, which was specifically for kids, um, is quite creepy because the idea is you start on this uh, outer crust of the planet, but each world is like, it's like you go into the planet. So it's like each planet, within the planet, there are layers of different worlds. Mm. So it's like like, like like you kind of drill down into the planet and then there are different societies and it kind of gets more and more dystopian and dark as you get towards the core mm-hmm. of the planet. Mm. which yeah, I thought was quite cool as a kid and the final one I'll mention is um, a game which I never got to play but I think I had like a, a trailer of it on another game um, and I've never quite got the courage to play it because I find it so unsettling um, a game by a studio called Amazing Studio, I think another French studio actually, so I don't know if French studios are particularly good at making unsettling <laughs> children's games uh, called Heart mm. of Darkness have you have you heard of this one? <laughs> yeah, I think this is, like, really forgotten. But, ah, it's horrible. So it's like a cinematic platformer. So I think it was made with motion capture or something. So the animation's really smooth. And you play, play a small boy whose dog is kidnapped by aliens. And so you have to go uh, and explore this alien landscape to rescue your cute dog. Um... And, yeah, you're playing this sort of plucky young kid. And it basically predates uh, the game Limbo by about, I don't know, 15, maybe 20 years. Um, and, obviously, Limbo was kind of notorious for you playing a kind of kid and you die in horrible ways. But uh, I made, um, Heart of Darkness is way worse, frankly. Like, because it really looks like a kid's game. It looks, I think, really quite cute. Like, the design for the kid and the dog, like... I could easily see parents giving it to kids, but as the child, you die in really horrid ways. Like, you know, you'll be munched and torn apart and your head popped off. Um,
0: uh-huh.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I I'd kind of recommend... I mean, it's, you know, it's not, not like hex rated or anything, but it's just like... It's just really brutal. <laughs> um, Yeah, yeah, I remember, say, I had a trailer of it, I think, on a different game, presumably an adventure game, maybe a Sierra game or something, and, yeah, ah, I think I must have just watched the trailer, like, once or something, and it just Mm -hmm. stuck in my mind for, for decades. I only discovered the name of the game, like, a few years ago, by trying to find Mm. out what it was, because it it made such an impression on me. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, that's Heart Mm. of Darkness, so, um... Hmm. Hmm. So, yeah, yeah, you know, bits and bobs. I don't know if, uh, how many of these were technically horror games for kids, but. Yeah. But you want to do a quick kind of deep dive into, I guess, a kind of young adult text game, I'd call it.
0: Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's. It's not. Uh, perhaps not more more supernatural mystery than than horror, although some roots are more or less creepy depending on what choices you make. Uh, um, it's called yes. sci High, um, by Rebecca So uh, published by Choice of Games in twenty fourteen, um, and uh, it's set in a high school where some of the students have recently started gaining psychic powers, and you as a protagonist have a some sort of side, side gig as an investigator, and you you're asked to start looking into some of your schoolmates who are acting strangely, like, suddenly becoming serious and studious, and uh, you you eventually realise that they're being mind controlled by a device called uh, a vinculum that the um, principal and uh, and one of the teachers are, are powering with magic from a vector in the ocean called the nexus. And uh you have to sort of choices to try and undermine this plan. They can either try and destroy the vinculum or try and uh, reverse its powers and various things. But um and in in most of the endings, you get a, a showdown at prom on a boat uh, as it is sort of going over the nexus, and the principal, Mr. Pierce, is trying to uh, gain enough power to bring bring the whole school or even the whole region under their regime um of uh which is sort of brainwashing and kind of, he said that the students who were who are controlled by the vinculum become model citizens and um, uh, so that's basically the story and you, you also have to deal with the more usual challenges of high school along the way like keeping your grades up and trying to get scholarships and deciding who to date
1: um, yeah it's a bit like um I mean, some of its themes made me think inevitably of the Demon Headmaster. Yeah. <laughs> but obviously, an American setting um, using those kind of John Hughes style um, American high school archetypes.
0: Hmm. Um, I'm curious what routes or routes you you went with it.
1: Well, my first playthrough, um, I played it very preppily. Indeed. Uh, I was just as hard working in the game as I was during my own school years. <laughs> uh, so I, I won the scholarship um, and I did uncover uh, the, the central mystery. Um, and yeah, I, I, I wasn't going to um, I didn't cotton to all this teachers brainwashing the school. So uh, yeah, I I, I Uncovered the mystery and um, send them packing, really. So uh, yeah, yeah, it was it was a pretty successful playthrough, um, <laughs> and and, I, and I, I dated my best friend, who seemed like quite a wholesome sort.
0: Yes, yes. Yeah. So um,
1: yeah, and then and then I started again and and tried to play it a, a bit more like a bad kid.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um. How about you?
0: i, have, I I've done. A few, maybe seven or eight different playthroughs. Oh wow! Okay, uh, trying to get different endings. Um, I think the creepiest one was probably the one where I ended up getting brainwashed and turning into a pod person. Oh, I might
1: have to try that. Okay,
0: and that was quite cool. Um, uh Maki, who suggested, said that the the first time she she played it, she, uh, she dated her best friend who, the thing with this game is, um, it's, uh, the, the, the genders and the sexualities are flexible on a lot of the characters, so, um, so you can decide if you want to date girls or boys or both, and then the characters change, but, um, she was dating her best friend who, uh, as a girl is called Alison, and, um, and Alison became a pod person but uh, she stayed with him because she was love with her. <laughs> I've never got that ending, though. Um, I've, uh, various things have happened. I, um, I've uh, sold drugs. Um, I played one today where I ended up getting arrested, not for selling drugs, but um, because uh, I was trying to uncover the vinculum and uh, everyone thought that, I'd, uh, that it was a bomb and that I planted a bomb, so I went to jail before the end of the story. Um, <laughs> I have this memory, because I played it quite soon after it came out. Okay. Like in 2014 or 2015. And I swear, but back then, I got like a proper horror ending where, I don't know, like I exploded the vinculum and like I cronenberg my classmates in some horrible way. And I can't find this ending again. And I don't know if I imagined it. Um,
1: oh, Yeah. That makes the game creepier. <laughs> like it's kind of... You know, cursed yeah. game with an illicit ending that you can't get. Yeah, in.
0: yeah. Because <laughs> um, that's kind of what I was thinking. I was like, oh, I'm going to try and get that ending. But uh, I have tried I've tried a lot of different uh, things and I, I can't get anything close to what I remember. So I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know if that is there or not.
1: Um, yeah, I have to admit, I do want to delve more into it now and do a few more plate. Through, because, I guess I didn't realise it branched quite as much as it does.
0: Yeah, it does. Um, yeah, there is quite a lot of, of variety in them. Um, yeah, and there's a you know, even in the sort of general the showdown at the end. If you get to the showdown on the boat, there's a few different ways that that can
1: go as well. Um, yeah,
0: yeah, I, I would recommend. Yeah, yeah it's fun
1: yeah, like i think that. the writing is quite straightforward like it does what yeah. it has to do
0: mm mm-hmm.
1: um and i've i've played yeah. quite a lot of text okay. games although more i guess from the kind of early 2000s like i try to keep up a little bit but i don't play them nearly as many and there there are some amazing like writers within the medium. So um Porpentine is mm. probably, you know, one of the most, and Porpentine can really write. Like Porpentine mm. can just turn an amazing turn a phrase. Um uh-huh. for instance. And I, I've long really loved Emily Short's games particularly and Adam Cadry's. Um and I don't think this is up there in terms of that level of writing, um, but it's really mm. nicely designed. Um
0: mm-hmm yeah
1: like and it does convincingly create that high school environment
0: mm mm-hmm. and you can date three people at once
1: oh gosh i, sort, I was i like, yeah i was, <laughs> yeah I, I i i kept things i kept things very simple when i when i played it. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, um, no, I, yeah. I, I, I would recommend it. It is fun.
0: Hmm. So yeah, I think we will, we will come back to games at some point. There is a Goosebumps game out there.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, you know, we keep kind of circling the Goosebumps, and we probably are, yeah. contractually required to do more Goosebumps. Uh, like I know there are podcasts just dedicated to Goosebumps, yeah. but. <laughs> since we are a long-running podcast now about children's horror, we probably should do more Goosebumps. Or Point Horror.
0: Anyway. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, but, the, the, you know, there have been several Goosebumps video games. Those are Goosebumps video games from when we were kids. Mm. Um, mm. I don't know if... I think there was a Horrorland one.
0: Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. okay, that makes sense. Mm.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, oh, fi- that... final final oh. recommendation. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of uh, not really a proper game, and only arguably for kids, uh, I'd say. Um, but mm-hmm. my stepdaughter really likes it, um, and I think played it played it a few years back. It was, a, and yet another example of me thinking I found something cool that uh, Matt would like, and then. Uh, <laughs> Being like, oh yeah, I played that, you know, I saw that years ago. <laughs> which uh, mm-hmm. that yeah, ever ever the way, uh, sadly. Um but it's <laughs> Petscop. Okay. So P-E-T-S-C-O-P, um which is a series of YouTube videos, um supposedly uh, recording a let's play of a mysterious PlayStation One game called Petscop. mm mm-hmm. um, So, creepypasta style. Now, actually, uh, the guy just made the game for these videos, uh, but the idea is that it's this strange game um, where you're trying to collect these pets um, in a pet store or something, uh, and then you find a whole underground world with very strange happenings. um, And and the plot's really loose uh, with lots of kind of troubling troubling subtextual themes Um, but the atmosphere is absolutely incredible it is really unsettling without anything graphic without you know any really horrible visuals um a lot of it is just done through the sound design i'd say so it has lots of drones lots of very unsettling drone noises and midi music um And I read an interview with the creator and he said that the biggest influence on it was David Lynch's Inland Empire. Mm. Um, So if you imagine a children's horror game or edutainment game directed by David Lynch, that's pretty much what Petscop is.
0: Mm. Mm -hmm. So
1: so yeah, yeah. if if that sounds like your speed, uh, then I'd recommend it. Uh, if you think that sounds really unsettling and it'll give me nightmares, then don't.
0: <laughs> a good rule of thumb. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, I think that's that's probably everything for this one.
1: Um, yeah. 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 Thank, thank you for indulging me. I know I rambled a bit. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's all right. Um, yeah, I think I covered quite a lot of bases of games there.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that that's probably all of them, all of the children's horror games. <laughs> but if, if 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 listener there are any we didn't cover, please do email us.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure we'll be interested to know.
1: And our email is still scared,
0: <laughs> still scared Podcast at gmail.com.
1: Thank you. Still Scared Podcast at gmail dot com.
0: Um, we're also on Twitter at, at Still Scared Pod and on Instagram at stillscaredpodcast um, Our artwork is by Letty Wilson um, Our intro music is by Mackie Ozaki and our outro music is by Joe Kelly Do you have a sign-off for us, Adam?
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, have more fun than a Sierra game, creepy kids
0: <laughs> Good advice <laughs> <laughs> See you later Bye <laughs> Bye.